Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us on Third Shot Podcast. If you haven't already, don't forget to hit that subscribe or follow button so that you don't miss one of our awesome episodes. And speaking of awesome episodes, Uncle Greg and Russ, are you two ready for another awesome episode? Oh, yeah. Totally ready. I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, cheers time, huh? to our awesomeness. Cheers. cheers. So, Bridgie, you got to give us an update. Oh, yeah. It's been a while, hasn't it? Well, you've been talking about this corporate challenge. I know you guys have competed. Tell us. what's What we happened? We did. Um, <laughs> it was okay. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not convincing. Oh, no. I know. I was uh, hoping we wouldn't have to, like, recap this or oh, have no. a follow-up because the results weren't as great as what we were hoping for. Um, we had our mixed doubles team, which was myself and then my old physics professor from like my second year of college. And then we had a women's doubles team and a men's doubles team. And it was double elimination. And my partner and I lost the first one, lost mm. the second one and got to watch a lot of pickleball games after oh. that. <laughs> Yeah, we tried our hardest. Well, on our previous episode, we were wondering, you know, with the physics professor, the right person, right? You know, physics, we all kind of said, yeah, that makes sense. But in reality, mm, mm. you got to you gotta go somewhere else. You got to find another yeah. professor. Well, I was missing my Uncle Greg partner. So, you know, I didn't have the magic there with me. That's why. You got to find me a job at UNLV then. All right. Say no and then more. I could do the next corporate challenge with you. So how did the other teams do? So, yeah, our women's team um, performed much better than what they were anticipating. So there were two new people um, who hadn't played pickleball too much before. So I think our practicing beforehand really helped them out with that. They felt comfortable and they made it. Um, I think they finished fifth. I can't wow. remember how many teams, but that was a lot better than what they were thinking they were going to do. And then our men's doubles team placed fourth, but that wasn't good enough to earn a medal or to earn points for UNLV. So I think we left there with participation points contributing to the corporate challenge. Right. But we showed up. We had a good time. Um, we got to meet a lot of great people from the Las Vegas Valley that work at other um, companies and institutions. And so overall, I would say that it was a very positive experience. And the people who participated, you know, they were so nice afterwards. They sent an email out saying how much fun that they had. And they actually want to continue to play pickleball with each other beyond oh, cool. corporate challenge. So, you know, spreading the love of pickleball. Nice. That's what the show's all about. So good job. Thank you. And I did meet a really interesting person there as well. So that was another positive outcome. Um, one of the men's from the mixed doubles team that we lost to, they were pretty good. Um, and it was an older gentleman. And he asked me afterwards how long I've been playing and whatnot. So we got to chatting. And he was actually a professional sand volleyball player. And just really? recently picked up playing pickleball within the last year, I think it was. But huh. he was a solid player. Nice. Maybe you, you remember try that name? sandy pickle. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, you should try Sandy Pickle. I should hook him up with that. Um, yeah, his name was Constantine. Constantine. That's a cool yeah. name. And he was from Albania, I want to say. Oh, so nice. he played beach volleyball in Albania? Yes. And then once he moved to the States, I think he also played in Southern California. So he yeah. got an interesting story and he also played a lot of soccer growing up too. And the thing that was interesting about him was that he was telling me that he thinks pickleball is very hard on someone's body. And I always was under the assumption because, you know, it's kind of started out as like an older person sport that it was easier on the body, but he's like, no, this is the worst sport for your body. Like your <laughs> knees, your elbow, your wrist, Everything is just like a lot of jarring motions for your joints. Hmm. So, Russ, the times that you played, has it been? Do you feel it in your body at all? What are you saying about me, Greg? I'm just asking. <laughs> I'm just asking. <laughs> One pickleball player to another. Yeah. Well, no. You know what? Um, it was. Uh, I don't know. It's. It's. It, it. I don't think so because you know, like you know, hey, I've been doing the treadmill. You know, that helps the the right. leg muscles, but. Um, I don't think it's like, I don't get so like, I, I'll play like um, uh, baseball with my son where we're just like, you know, pitching the ball at each other, like strikeout type of game. Right. Mm -hmm. And pitching like pretty hard that I feel the pain like with pickleball. I, I don't really, I haven't really felt the pain, which is now making me question, am I playing it correctly? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should be playing it more longer or better, and, and I would have some pain. But right now, I'm okay. <laughs> and the time that you played, you? it's been, well, for me, I, I am in pain. And I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think people say that it's it's not as strenuous because you're not doing a lot of running long distances, right? You're not mm -hmm. like in soccer. Mm -hmm. You're running after a ball. You're, you know, all that stuff and softball. But it's baseball. A, lot of, a lot of sprints back and Basketball. forth. It's like. Three or four steps one way, right? Three or four steps another way, you know. It, but I think the knees is is a is a real deal because you are like stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, mm -hmm. bending over, right? It's getting low, jumping up high for overheads, right? It's it's. I think it is tough on the legs, the joints in the legs. Um, I I feel it, and you know, and I've been athletic my whole life. I'll, I'll tell you this, and I think it's just age for me, but. I'm more sore from playing pickleball than any sport that I've ever played. Really? Wow. Yes. Huh. And I, I mean, you guys know me. I played a lot yeah. of different yeah, sports, right? I played athletic. about every sport out there. Right. <laughs> um, at all. And, and I get more sore from playing pickleball, but I'm older now. And maybe that's why. But yeah, I don't hmm. know. <laughs> interesting yeah you know i think i'm doing it wrong <laughs> i know i know no no i'm doing it wrong maybe maybe uh, you're doing it right maybe that's what it is maybe you're doing it wrong i don't i don't know i, I think i am doing it wrong i think yeah i gotta back right, off well, and just do i just gotta do the little two step right go two steps this way two steps this way right right <laughs> just tap, yeah. tap. Games, that's not cutting it <laughs> you know <laughs> All right. Well, that takes me actually to my uh, learning more question because my learning more question is about training off court. So, okay, there's the pickleball training that you can do to, you know, practice on the court. But what about when you're not on the court? 
What are you doing so that you can play better pickleball when you're on the court? That's a great question. What are we doing, Uncle? <laughs> well, <laughs> eating sandwiches. I mean, this, uh, <laughs> this is kind of training. This is kind of training, kind of not. But I've been watching a lot of pro pickleball on television. Mm. You know, that does it's, help, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I got, um, you know, Amazon Prime just signed a new deal with, with pro pickleball. So they've been televising a bunch of episodes or a bunch of the tournaments. And... Um, there's a couple of different stations actually that are, um, you know, showing pickleball pro pickleball. And I watch, I record all of them now. Like I got my TV set and I I record all of them and I'm just sitting there just watching and I'm going, Oh, that's what they're doing. And you know, what really helps is the, um, commentators, Russ, this is your thing. Hey, there we go. Yeah. The commentators really provide a lot of insight to the strategy of what these pros are doing and why they're doing it. And it helps a lot. It helps a lot. Mm. So I've been, that's what I've been doing to kind of up my game. And I try to remember everything that they're talking about on the telecast and bring it to the court like later that day or the next day and try to execute it. And it seems to be working. I, I notice a difference. It's making you sore. So that's that's a good thing, I guess. <laughs> Bridgie, what about you? What are you doing to off well, the court to to prep you for on the court? You know, I could be doing a lot more, Russ, and I was hoping <laughs> I was gonna get called out. <laughs> but aside from like carrying all my groceries in in one trip, you know, like mm, bulking up yeah. my arm right, muscles. Right. A lot of lower back stretches because on that note of being sore from playing pickleball, I've noticed that my lower back gets really tight after playing. And so I use a foam roller a lot and I've got like this really spiky yoga ball that helps get the knots out and everything. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I, if my core was like where it should be and like um, actually fit, then maybe my lower back wouldn't be hurting as much because I've heard that lower back pain is caused from like a weak core. So hmm. put that on my goals list. Right. <laughs> Add it to it. There we go. There we go. I mean, you right. have great court coverage though, Bridgie. I mean, you, you cover a lot of ground on the court. Oh, Russ got his roller. You're training. The ball. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready. See, he's got it all. It's that lower back pain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Well, so that there's my, uh, there's my learning more question. As you know, I always learn something new over there on my uh, learning more podcast over here on this podcast. What are we going to learn about today? Well, speaking of pro pickleball, we have a pro pickleball player on Alex Simon. He is out of Las Vegas and he is a pro pickleball player and he has an amazing story. It's unusual of any story that I've heard. So I'm not going to give it away. When you come back, we are going to meet Alex Simon, pro pickleball player. Listen up, pickleball people. You can't slay on the court and look sloppy at the same time. Thank goodness for pickleball athlete and their sweet styles. Whether you want long sleeves, no sleeves, or funky and fun prints, pickleball athlete has got you covered. Their selection is perfect for the super serious players or the jokers out there. 
and they don't just stop at clothes either. Check out their awesome accessories that would make fabulous gifts for your favorite player or for yourself. Let's be real. And hey, you get to feel good about supporting a small business too. Find them at pickleballathlete.com. Be sure to also follow on Facebook and Instagram. Welcome back to Third Shot. Please check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Third Shot Podcast or on Twitter. We are at Third Shot Pod. Come and find us. We'd love to get your comments. And we are extremely excited to have Alex Simon, pro pickleball player, to join us today and tell us about his journey. So welcome, Alex. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Before we jump into the questions, though, we have our traditional shot. So, mm-hmm. cheers to you all. Yes. All right. Cheers what to are you guys drinking? In your career. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are you guys having? What kind of shots are those? Well, mine is um, a mango pineapple like energy drink. Okay. All right. Uptime. I like that. I just went straight to the makers. Yeah, Greg uh, doesn't play around. No, no, he doesn't. <laughs> All right, I'm ha- I'm having a matcha tea shot that my wife prepared. Oh, that's and, nice. Uh, so this is uh, you know my drink of choice. Well, I you are a very tea. healthy guy. Not only are you a pickleball player, but you're a triathlete, right? Yes, I I am. I actually uh, my background is in tennis. And a few years ago, I took on uh, triathlon. I wanted to become a uh, an Ironman triathlete, which uh, I did. So I, I spent a couple of years uh, training for that. And uh, so I do triathlons as well. So yeah, wow. I, I keep busy. Did you, you do sure the one in Hawaii? Uh, I did not. Those are the world championships. And uh, I'm certainly not qualified for that. You need to... Uh, earn your spot, but I just wanted to do one. So I did it in Santa Rosa, California, a couple of years back. Yeah. And that was fulfilling. Plus I've done several half Ironmans and Olympics and whatnot, but I like it. It, it keeps me in, in shape and certainly helps my, my pickleball. Wow. So do we need to become triathletes in order to become professional pickleball players? Uh, you, you do not, uh, <laughs> I tell you, as you get older, you know, I'm 50 and I, I mostly play in, on the senior tour, uh, but singles, um, it's actually quite challenging. I don't know if you guys play pickleball singles, but it's a completely different game from doubles and it's physically exhausting, believe it or not, even though it's, it's such a small court and, uh, you definitely need to be in shape if you want to play singles, you better be doing something else other than just uh, hitting the pickleball course. Well, you have a kind of unique story where a lot of people have been playing pickleball for a while before they turn pro. You're kind of the opposite. You just kind of made your mind up. So tell us a little bit about like, what was the process for you? I think it's, it's amazing what you've been able to accomplish. Yeah, when I turned 50, which was uh, mid-October of uh, 2022, uh, the day I turned 50, I I declared, you know, I was going to become a professional pickleball player. And I told my wife at the time, I said, today is the day I start my professional pickleball career. And she said, well, you don't even play pickleball. I said, well, that's irrelevant. (laughs) That's beside the point. I want to be a professional pickleball player. So That's just a minor I, I, detail, honey. Yeah, just a minor <laughs> detail. You know, where, where there's a will, there's a way. And uh, I 
told myself I would train as if I was a professional pickleball player. And I do come from a, a tennis background, although I was never a professional player or anything like that. I did play uh, college 30 years ago. I played Division One, and, um, and I still play some four or five leagues. So I'm no uh, Jack Sock or, or anything like that that just, you know, bursts onto the scene and, and takes over. Uh, so I'm just, a, you know, I'm a good tennis player. But when I started pickleball, I, uh, I really went all out and uh, it's, it's paid dividends. And I'm happy to share with you guys, you know, how I did it and, and what success I've had. And, you know, I can't promise doing this will get you there. But uh, I think you, you'll get wherever you want to get faster. That's amazing. And that's less than a year ago. It's almost unbelievable that you've been able to accomplish yeah. all of that. I am curious, though, what made you select pickleball as the goal of I'm going to become a professional pickleball player? Yeah, well, the tennis background helps quite a bit. So I knew that the transitions of pickleball would be, you know, quite a bit easier. And they built pickleball courts literally one minute from my house. And that's the first time I actually learned of pickleball. This is, you know, three years ago or so. So I always drove by these courts and I saw people playing and I thought it was silly. And then one day I was like, you know what, maybe I could be pretty good at this. I mean, it's like a, to me, it was at the time a miniature tennis. And I said, as I get older, I don't want to play singles tennis anymore. It's just too much running. So I'm going to take on pickleball. And I really felt like, you know what, if, if I dedicate myself to this, um, you know, I think I could be pretty good, but I had no idea. So my goal when I started, I wanted to be a top 20 senior in the world at the end of 2023. And I wanted to be a top 10 senior pickleball player by the end of 2024. Uh, but here we are halfway, you know, through uh, 2023, and I'm ranked number three in the world. So even my goals were shattered, you know, quite quickly, and I need to reset my goals. Yeah, you broke through that uh, that ceiling of, of those goals mm-hmm. very quickly. Like, what do you accredit to getting there that fast? Obviously, anybody can be dedicated to a sport and really want to train, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean they're going to be top three within, you know, basically six months of learning the game. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, well, I think you need to pick uh, the strengths that you already have and apply them to whatever sport you're going. So in my case, I started playing pickleball and I needed to decide, you know, do I want to be just a a singles player, a doubles player? Do I want to be equally, you know, good at both? And because of my triathlon background and I'm in, you know, very, very good shape for, for 50 years old, I had a feeling that I could do better in singles because I am pretty quick. I'm pretty fit. Uh, I said, you know, I think 50 year olds, not all of them are going to be as fit as me. So I decided to pursue the singles angle because of that. And uh, it was the right decision because that's where, where I'm better at. That's what I train. And my training is specifically designed for singles. You know, I train basically 90% of my training is focused on, on singles drills and, and improve my game in, in any aspect that it will help me play single. So it, it's not just picking a sport. You know, if I had picked some other sport, I probably wouldn't be nearly as good as I wasn't in triathlon. I was pretty good, but I was never good enough to go to Hawaii and be in the world championship. So you have to have some sort of background in a sport that 
will help you with, with pickleball, which it could be, I see a lot of hockey players, I see a lot of uh, table tennis players, you know, making a transition. So that's, I think that plays a big part in why I've had so much success. And then coupled my background with the type of training that I do, it's paid off. Yeah, you were sharing with us how intensive your training has been. Mm-hmm. Can you share with our listeners as well what that training actually entails? Yeah, I do about two to three hours a day on court work, and that's drills. Uh, I'm going to say 90% of my, my training is, is drills. So it's singles drills. is me and another person. We have uh, you know basketballs, and we just do drills. We practice every you know, we start with dinking, but that's just warm up because in, in singles, there's really no, no dinking uh, and the game is getting faster and faster. So we just practice return of serves, you know, the, the third shot, which is basically a passing shot, any type of shot that I would see in a singles game, we practice that. Then I also do off-court work, which I think is critical. If you want to play high level, you know, pickleball, especially in singles, you need to do off-court work and that's running. So I do trail running. Uh, I run hills here around my house. I live in, in the desert in Las Vegas. So I do a lot of that. I run up hills. Um, and then I do a lot of footwork drills, which I do at the gym. And those are basically, you can even find them, you know, any tennis related footwork drill, you can find them on YouTube. There's n- nothing for pickleball, but if you look for footwork drills, you find all kinds of videos on YouTube just to make you more agile, more faster on your feet. And uh, so I do those as well uh daily so between you know those two things on court and off court uh and then some mental work and that's you know visualization i do a a lot of that and uh you know i believe in affirmation and and some of those things and believing that i'm going to get where i want to get um those like you know but that's I can't really tell people how to do that. It's just like, I just think about it and I visualize myself winning tournaments and, and being on the podium. But the, the, most of the work is yeah, on court drilling and then off court. And then I do some playing, some singles playing. And then I, w- I will play and, you know, occasionally doubles just to get out and have some fun as well, because otherwise it becomes just the, the laboring, you know, and all it feels like I'm, I'm just working, working, working towards the game. Drilling is not necessarily fun. So I like going out and playing some doubles and just kind of relaxing and it's, it's social and it's fun for me. So when you started training uh, to, you know, on this journey that you're having, mm-hmm. did you even know what to train? Because if you've never played pickleball before, I mean, yes, mm-hmm. you have a tennis background. Did you just start working on ground strokes? Did you start working at the kitchen line? Like, how did you even know where to start and, and make this, uh, this ascension that you've, you've had, which is uh, incredible? Yeah, well, I start by watching a lot of videos, you know, of the pros, uh, the top open pros, senior pros, and seeing how they played the game. But I didn't really want to be influenced so much by what everybody else was doing. You know, I wanted to to see what worked for me. So even in terms of of returns of serve, right, a lot of people slice it. A lot of people, you know, drive the return and everybody comes up to the net. Um I started thinking about my game, like how, how I would like to play. And I, I like to slice my, my backhand return that, you know, I don't even like hitting a forehand return. I like hitting a backhand slice return and I just rush the net. So I started practicing uh, first the shots that I would always have to hit, which is the serve, which I, I just 
try to get it in because it's so different, obviously, from, from a tennis serve. And then I practice a lot of uh, returns. So returns, I practice a lot because you got to hit returns. You can't <laughs> you win a match. So I, I just focus on, hey, if I can, I hit a, hit a, a, a return, in my case, a slice return to a, a, you know, my opponent's backhand, which is usually, you know, their, their weaker side. Um, and I'm, I'm imagining my opponent is a right-handed player, right, which the majority are. So all I did was just practice returns into the corner of the backhand side of a right-handed player and just over and over and over and over. I just had a, you know, I, I found, eventually I found somebody, some good players around town and, you know, one or two in particular that we practice singles with. And I'd say, hey, just hit ball, just hit ball so I can practice, you know, and, and I did that over and over and over again. And then the second part is uh, serving and then have my opponent come up and then I try to pass them because in singles, that's basically the game. You serve, they are going to hit the return, they're going to rush the net, and then you have to pass them. And there's only, only, you could lob them, which I I do not recommend at all, especially <laughs> in the third shot. So essentially you have, you know, three shots. You can go down the line, you can go across court, or you can go at them, which I also, you know, because of the, the speed, which is not really there in pickleball, you have to pass them either down the line or across court. So I practice a lot of that. I just serve. You know, my opponent say, okay, every one of your returns, please hit him to my backhand. So the drill was basically I serve, and I don't even serve a hard serve, just a serve that they can easily return to my backhand. And then they, they rush the net, and then I try to pass them, you know, down the line, cross court, down the line, cross court, and just keep doing that over and over again. So then you pretty much have most of it covered. Then you do some, you know, then you got to do the shot. When you come up the net, you come up the net, then they try to pass you, and you try to work on the volley. So I worked on the shots that I would see most. And then after that, you start working on other things like maybe some lobs or, you know, kitchen line work, like the cat and mouse game, which does happen in singles, but it's rare. So I'm going to spend time on the shots I use most. And I'm not going to focus so much on shots I rarely ever see, like lobbing and overheads. I'm not going to practice much of that. I'm going to practice the shots that I'm going to use 90% of, of the match. So that's how I do it, you know, and just repetition. I know it's not sexy. I know it's not uh, fun, but my goal was to become one of the best in the world. So that's what it takes, right? Everybody loves going out and, and just playing games and pickleball and so fun. But when people say, well, how, as you ask me, you know, how do you become a really, really good player? And that's what I did. Yeah, well, it seems like it's been a seamless transition for you. And, you know, mm -hmm. six months has taken some people years to accomplish what you've gotten to already. Mm -hmm. Have there been any like unforeseen challenges that you faced along the way? Yeah, um, you know, in, in terms of the game, it's coming to me and I'm always trying to improve my game to bring it from a tennis to a, you know, a pickleball game. Because as every tennis player that you see, you can notice somebody that comes with a tennis background immediately when they start hitting pickleball you go oh that person comes from tennis you know just the way they hit the ball so I've changed my my grip you know the way I volley I, you know and I know the listeners can't see it but I used to have a backhand tennis volley now I volley in front of me with my wrist bent you know so that I had to get used to I'm not used to that I'm used to volleying just like a tennis background bring the racket back you know, and, and slice it forward. Now I break my, my wrist, I volley in front of me. Uh, so I had to change my grip. You know, my grip is, is 
not entirely continental, but it's not my tennis grip. So all those little things I had to adjust and make changes. Uh, and even as, you know, I, you know, I'm now ranked number three in the world in, in senior uh, pro tour, but my serve, I changed yesterday. I completely changed the stance of my serve when I went to practice because my serve is not a, a weapon and I want to make it a, a more of a weapon. So I completely changed my stance instead of a closed stance for the tennis players that are listening and can relate, you know, in tennis. And I don't know if you guys come from a tennis background, but we stand, you know, one foot in front, one foot in the back, almost sideways to the, to the court. And then we hit the serve. I am, as of yesterday, I, you know, started standing more in open stance, like Federico Staxrud and Tyson McGuffin. Uh, they stand, you know, open face. And I really liked it. So, I am still in the process of changing my game and trying to make it better and, and be even more competitive. That is great to hear that you're always evolving, right? You're always mm-hmm. looking. I was, I was just uh, listening to an interview with Christian Alshon, and, and he was stating that the serve is becoming so important in singles mm-hmm. nowadays to make it a weapon. And then you go and say it the same thing literally <laughs> later that day. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe I got to start working on my serve. Uh, I, I, we got to take a quick break, but uh, when we come back, I want to ask you a little something that I heard from a singles player. In fact, in Vegas, when I was with Bridgie mm-hmm. and we were over at Sunset, and you, you're very familiar with those courts, mm-hmm. he said something to me about singles play that I want to run by you. So when we come back, we will get to that with Alex Simon, pro pickleball player, and uh, we're going to learn a little bit more about the strategy of singles. We'll be right back. It's Bridgie and Uncle Greg with Third Shot Podcast. We're looking for our next tournament. We really love sharing our experiences playing tournaments as a fun part of our Third Shot Podcast journey. We've been fortunate enough to be invited to play in a number of tournaments and broadcast live from the events. So share your event with us and we can get the word out to our pickleball community. It's all about helping and growing the sport we love. And we're hoping we'll get to meet you there. Welcome back to Third Shot Podcast. We're here with professional pickleball player, Alex Simon. But before we get to hear more about his strategy, it's time for our third shot. Glasses up. Here's to you becoming number one, Alex. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. So you guys take a shot every time you come back from break and when you start the show? And, and sometimes in between, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And how do you make it through the show? <laughs> you know, it's it's a lot of fun. And uh, there's a couple of times where we do two or three recordings in one day. Then it gets a little, yeah, yeah, by the third show. Yeah, it's a little fun. So Bridget <laughs> takes over because I'm sure you're you're done by like, you know, halfway through the show. So she just does it by herself when you're on the floor. <laughs> well, it's That's funny. I have to step in. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to keep me in line. Uh, if, you know, that's what family's for, right? You know, the, I, I get I'm the sloppy uncle at, at the Thanksgiving, and she she makes sure that uh, uncle, come on, you've had enough, put it down. We, we did this uh, we did this trivia show uh, a couple of weeks ago, where every time we missed a question, we had to take a shot. So as you can imagine. <laughs> And it doesn't really get better. Hard to answer the, questions. the more you drink, the questions, the answers just get worse and worse. Right? Yeah, I don't exactly. know. Yeah, yeah. 
but it, it was fun. It was fun for people that haven't heard our trivia game. Uh, check it out. We we kind of created a new pickleball trivia drinking game. So it's a lot of fun. Before the break, Alex, I was mentioning that Richie and I were down at the at sunset, and we were talking mm-hmm. to a, a pretty good player, and and he had won a, a I think I won a couple of tournaments in singles. Um, I think they were local tournaments, though. But anyway, he was a good player. We were watching him play. And he told me in singles that it was just very, very formulated. Like he knew if he returned to serve to a certain spot, mm-hmm. they were going to return it back a certain spot. He needed to, and it was all about just execution because both players kind of already knew, it was already dictated what was going to happen. But in conversations with you, you've kind of changed things up a bit. And you've had people comment to you that you're playing a little more unorthodox where people are going, huh, Alex is doing a little different. He's having a lot of success. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's, it's the backhand to their deep, you know, backhand side that is switching up to people's strategies or what it is, but it doesn't sound like people have figured you out yet. Well, you know, the nice thing about pickleball and I love is that you have so many different styles. You know, some people think it's it's so straightforward. But even if you look at the open pro division, there's all the time somebody new comes around. And you're like, well, they're they're sure an orthodox, you know, mostly from from tennis backgrounds. And uh, then people say, well, I guess you could play the game that way, you know. And that's the nice thing is like people say, well, you have to play a certain way. But no, then somebody comes around that totally, you know, puts that notion to rest because they have such an unorthodox style. So in my case, you know, all the guys that are playing, let's say, in the top five, top ten of the world, let's talk about the senior pro division. They've been playing for five, six, seven years, and they all know each other. They played each other, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of times. And uh, I come around, and nobody has seen me play. So they're they're used to each other, but they are not used to me yet. So it's I think it's an advantage coming as a, as a you know good player and. They think if, if the game was so, so, so formulaic as your, uh, the person you met in Vegas said, then they would have figured me out right away. Uh, I don't completely disagree with this person because, uh, you know, there is certain things like most people are going to return and, and, you know, to the person's backhand. Um, but that doesn't mean, but if that's the case, like, I could go, in my case, if somebody returns to my backhand, I can go equally down the line or cross court. And I can disguise, you know, my drive. Like I used to drive, when I first started the game, I used to hold my racket a certain way and, and, and set the shot, shot up where they would know if I was going down the line or cross court. Now I have a much shorter backswing and it's mostly just a wrist action, which I can either go wrist down the line or I can just wrist the cross court. And that's probably one of my best shots is my, uh, my third shot backhand after they come up the net. And then I pass them a couple of times with that. Then they start moving to my forehand and then, you know, then they already out of their, their element because most people just go to the backhand. But I also, you know, of course at the level I play, I can hit both sides. I can hit a back and I can hit a forehand. So they just hope that my forehand won't be, you know, as strong as my backhand. But certainly my backhand is is one of the best backhands out there. And, and I love it because that's where most people go. Most people struggle with their backhand. And I don't at all. I actually prefer it over my forehand. So I don't think, I think maybe 
if this person that you that you met, if they've been playing for many years, the game kind of was a certain way, you know, and and people play their certain way. I can for sure see that changing. I see a lot of players hitting one-handed backhands now, which are extremely rare. I know Jay Davillier has a, a one-handed backhand, but he's, you know, rare. Um, so you're seeing the game much faster, right? Guys like Christian Alshon come around and Julian Aro come around and they come from tennis and it's, it's, it's like, it's almost like tennis in a miniature version. You know, they hit so much spin and, and they have such nice shots. So I think there are certain rules to singles, but we're seeing more and more players with varied styles. So I think it's just going to keep evolving and changing. So if I had to say, I don't completely agree. I don't completely disagree with, with the view of the person, but I think the game is changing and it's not as, as cookie cutter as he thinks it is. So starting off, you know, I was just learning how to play pickleball a few years ago, and I've just been mostly a rec player. We started doing tournaments this year, and I'm starting to realize that I need to work on my strategy in order to kind of take myself to that next level and be a little bit more Mm -hmm. competitive. What percentage of the game would you say is strategy versus skill? Is it 50-50 or would you place strategy a little bit more, weight it more heavily than skill? Um, I think I'd weigh skill more heavily. Uh, You've got to get the ball in, especially in doubles. Most people play doubles. You need to be able to dink properly. You know, that's the number one thing. If I was taking on somebody, if I were to coach someone and, and they just started, all I would do is just dink, you know, until they just can't anymore because it's such an important shot, especially in doubles. Because, you know, the moment you you, you lift something or, or you hit a dink that's too high, they're going to attack you. So it's the, the game basically at, at all levels, from beginner to advanced, is who's going to lift it first? You know, who's going to hit the ball too high for the, you know, their opponent to come and attack it and probably put the, the point away? So I think you need to, you need to get the basics first. You need to be able to serve in. You don't even need to have a, you know, a super special or, or hard serve, but you need to get the serve in. That, that's a must. You're starting the point. Uh, you have one, it's the one shot in pickleball that you have 100% control over. Like your opponent can't do anything to mess up your serve. Like you have the ball in your hands. You can toss it any way you want other than with spin, which is illegal now, but you can hold it. You can position your body any way you want towards the court. You can hold your rack, your paddle any way you want. It, you're 100% in the control. So there's no reason for you to miss that shot. And, uh, and after that, you know, you gotta have, uh, you gotta be able to get to the kitchen line, which brings me to, to another point is a lot of people, you know, and the game has told us that we need to hit a third shot drop which when I play doubles, that's the first thing I eliminated from my game. I never, and that's not a strong word. I never hit a third shot drop. I always drive my third shot. And uh, that's one of the things I, I didn't know if people did, but when I started playing pickleball and everybody's saying, no, Alex, you need to hit a, hit a third shot drop. And, and I was such a newbie to the game. I didn't even know the rules. I said, well, is, that, is there a rule that says you have to hit a third shot drop? And they said, no, but that's what everybody does. I'm like, okay, but it doesn't mean that I have to. They go, no, you don't, you know, you can do any way you want. I said, well, why don't I just hit a drive third shot 
then my opponents volley it. But when they volley it, it's most likely going to land close to the kitchen line or much closer to the net than it would as if they had just hit a return. And I said, so instead of hitting a third shot drop, I hit a drive, they volley it. And then I hit that fifth shot drop much closer to the kitchen line, much closer to the net with a much lower chance of error than I would if I was hitting a, a third shot drop from the baseline. And especially, you know, from a beginner's point of view, hitting that third shot drop, even when I started playing the game and I learned it pretty quickly, I thought I was never going to be able to hit a third shot drop when I thought that was my only option. And then I said, why don't I just drive and hit a, a fifth shot drop closer than that? So if I were to teach someone, you know, at a level below four or five, I'd say absolutely hit a, a third shot drive and then hit the drop much closer to the net with a much you know, lesser chance of error. And I'm not talking about just net error, but hitting it too high and your opponents are just salivating at the net, you know, ready to put that thing away. So, yeah, so those are some, you know, some of the things that, that I, I did differently. And I do see players doing it differently now, even in the pros, uh, Ben John, now I was watching his match, you know, this past weekend and uh, his doubles match and he drives, he drives the, the third shot. Now it's not a shot to end the point. Some people think, you know, oh, you're trying to end the point. No, not at all. All I'm trying to do is to get a shorter fifth shot that I can then, you know, drop on the other side of the net much easier. And then we start the thinking battle, which is ultimately where all doubles matches should end up. And from then on, make sure you think well. Step one, get it over the net. And step two, as you progress in, you know, in skill is, have a purpose for your dink. A lot of people I see playing, they just try to get it over. And once it gets over, they're like, oh, I've done my job. But if you see the pros play, they actually put, apply some pressure with a third shot drop. They're trying to use that, not the third shot drop, the, the dinking. They use the dinking like, what am I trying to do? There's a purpose behind it. Am I trying to work one of my opponents out, you know, out to the side of the court? So eventually I try to hit a winner in between them you know, because a lot of times you see one person, especially at lower levels, you start dinking them out of the court, you know, and their opponent just stays fixed on their side of the court. And you see this ocean opening between the two of them. <laughs> and one guy is being moved out. The other guy is just staying there, right? And I just see this opening. And then they hit it to me and I just hit it right in between them. Yeah, that is great strategy and, and good advice. Mm -hmm. I, I think Bridgie and I could really learn a lot from that in our in our doubles play. Uh, I want to change speeds a little bit because I follow you mm -hmm. on Instagram and I saw recently you had a fantastic trip over to Hong Kong. Tell us mm -hmm. a little bit about uh, what it was like in Hong mm -hmm. Kong and, and just a little bit of pickleball involved there. Yeah, so I had never been to Hong Kong. In fact, it wasn't one of the places that I had planned on visiting ever in my life. But my daughter happens to uh, live there now. I have a 20-year-old daughter who works at Disneyland in Hong Kong. So she wow. took a position there. Yeah. So uh, so she works there and she wears a, a white dress with a white wig and she has a very special <laughs> job and she dances on the stage. And uh, But, you know, I, I can't say more than that. So she has a phenomenal job and uh, we went to go visit her. And I said, you know what? I'm going to spend a couple weeks in Hong Kong. Let me see if I can find some some pickleball players. I said, there's got to be pickleball players in Hong Kong. So I just went on Facebook and I put in Hong Kong pickleball. And all these groups showed up, you know, different groups of pickleball 
you know, Hong Kong Pickleball Association or whatever pickleball. So I sent some messages. I was, hey, I'm a player, you know, from the U.S. and I'm, I'm pretty good. And I'd love to play with you guys. And if you want, I'd be happy to teach a clinic if you want. And uh, so they wrote back and said, absolutely. You know, we'd love for you to come and, and play with us. And they go, as a matter of fact, uh, our level here is so low that we have no 5-0 players at all on the island. There's about a thousand people that play pickleball over there. And uh, no 5-0 players. They have like two 4-5 players. And uh, everybody else is like a 3-5-4-0. So they said, we would love for you to come and teach us, you know, coach us and help us with our pickleball game. So I said, okay, uh, you know, I'd love to go. And so they said, well, we're meeting, you know, tonight at, you know, whatever, six o'clock, we can come pick you up. So this guy comes and picks me up. And uh, I didn't bring my paddle, so I borrowed a paddle. And uh, I go, okay, so where are we going? He goes, well, we're going to, the, to this badminton court. And, uh, you know, we're going to set up over there. I said, well, don't you guys have a pickleball court? And he said, no, there are no pickleball courts in Hong Kong, like zero. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so we play wherever we can find a spot. And it happened that that day there was a badminton court open that they were able to uh, reserve for a couple of hours. So we go there. And uh, all these pickleball players over there, they carry all their equipment in their trunk, of their car. So they have nets, they have paddles, they have balls. And uh, so we arrive there, everybody picks up a bag and uh, we all set up a, a court and we tape it, you know, cause it's not pre-taped. So everybody has their painters tape with them and we tape our court and off we go and we start playing. And it was, it was amazing. It was such a nice group that came out and I was able to play with them. And then they invited me again a couple of days later, we ended up in some, multi-sport facility that was it was raining that day and it's like a public facility and it had all kinds of holes in the ceiling and it was soaking wet there was water dripping through i was gonna ask was you complete- about that because it looked like it was yeah. indoors but i saw puddles on the court <laughs> yeah there's all kinds of holes you know in, in the ceiling so it was raining and i said guys this you know it's wet and they're like well so what you know we play when <laughs> when when we can like so Anyway, so there was a little spot that didn't have puddles on the court, right? So it's not dry, it's still soaking wet, but there's no puddles. And I said, guys, we'll never be able to fit a court in here. I'm like, we're not like, we're not gonna do a court, we're just doing the kitchen. <laughs> so, so we set up a kitchen only court. We put the net and then we just put the kitchen line, you know, on the sides. And they said, so today we don't run, we just work, you know, dinking and uh, fast volleys and nobody runs. And I said, let's go, you know? So that's what we did. We played and uh, it really made me appreciate what we have in the United States. You know, we go to the courts and we often complain that the courts are too busy or it's too windy or the level is not good enough. And I'm over there and these people, they will play basically anywhere. Like they will literally play on the streets. Like when they don't have any courts available, they say, we just go on a street and a street that's, you know, not a lot of traffic. We just tape it up, put the net, and off we go. So I'm like, wow, you know, this is true uh, dedication to the game. So it was it was wonderful. Hong Kong itself is a beautiful city. Uh, the people are wonderful. And uh, pickleball is growing. They uh, Now they have plans on bringing me back there for some official clinics at the end of this year. We'll see. Uh, but I'm excited. It's, it's, it's exciting to see pickleball, you know, growing in, in other countries. And, and they know all the players in the U.S. They follow all the pros. And uh, it's it's awesome. That is such a cool story. And 
what an eye-opening experience just to even mm -hmm. see what pickleball is like in another country. And hopefully we'll be able to uh, see something in another country along the lines of pickleball because that's on my bucket list as well. But I think that's fantastic. How many people did you get at these clinics while you were there? Uh, the, the first time, well, the first time I was, was about 20 people and it was a last minute thing. You know, I, I could have mm -hmm. done other clinics, but of course I had my own plans and I had to go, go see my daughter. I, I went to see uh, Macau for a day, which is another place where there's pickleball growing. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Macau. You know, Bridget, you live in Las Vegas. Uh, Macau is like the, the Las Vegas of the East. It's uh, you have all the casinos. It's oh, what an amazing place! I can't wait to go visit Macau. I cannot wait. Oh, it's it's amazing. So we spent a year there, and it's literally a one-hour ferry ride from Hong Kong. So you take a ferry. That's the way to get there, and in the one hour, you're in another country. You know that speaks Portuguese. That's the official language of Macau. Is actually Portuguese, even though, uh, uh, and I speak Portuguese because I'm originally from Brazil, and uh, so it's a Portuguese-speaking country. And I could not find one Portuguese speaking person in that country, which was the, the, the funniest thing ever. That's shocking, so I'm yeah. a, yeah, I'm a Portuguese speaking, you know, citizen. I go there and I know it's the, the official language and all the street signs are in Portuguese. All everywhere you go is written in Portuguese. So I go there. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to get to speak some Portuguese. And I go to the information desk at the, at the, uh, at the ferry. I'm like, anybody speak Portuguese? No. <laughs> <laughs> so we're walking around the city i'm looking for anybody that speaks portuguese nobody i said okay let's go to a portuguese restaurant you know so i find one of the best highest rated on yelp portuguese restaurants in town i walk in there i ask for the owner and i said you're the owner you must speak portuguese no i did not speak portuguese. <laughs> so i went there and couldn't find anybody but nevertheless it's it's an amazing place it's well i gotta awesome. ask what and language did the owner speak Chinese. Okay. Everybody speaks Chinese. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Everybody speaks uh, uh, Cantonese uh, Chinese. Okay. So it's uh, all I heard was Chinese in Hong Kong, Chinese in Macau, and uh, but also wonderful people. What a you know what, what a blessing it was to have been there. And they also are growing pick, pickleball in Macau. And I already have some people that since I've been to Hong Kong reached out to me and want to bring me to Macau to teach clinics also in in December. So and I I told them listen. I had such a good time here and I'm not a coach per se, you know, which I'm not reconsidering because I had so much time coaching pickleball. I'm like, maybe this is what I want to do for a living. Quit my corporate career and just go teach pickleball. Um, so they told me, you know, they want to have me there to, to coach in Macau and they want to take me to China. And so it's becoming this, this big thing, but I'd be happy to, you know, the, the, the more people play pickleball, the better the world will be. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, traveling to Macau and Hong Kong to play pickleball is amazing. You're going to be traveling very soon here, not quite as far, yeah. but you're going to Oklahoma City. Tell everybody what you're going to be yeah. doing there. So I am playing in the inaugural season of the National Pickleball League, which is a new uh, team league. It's like Major League pick Pickleball for old people. So for <laughs> seniors, so anybody over 50, uh, it's a new league that was created by uh uh, Rick Witzkin, which is uh, one of the top senior pros in the world, and uh, Beth Bellamy, who is the premier senior female uh, player in the world, and they decided to create this this league along with some some other people. And essentially, it's six teams, one representing each different cities in, in the United States. And there was a draft where they drafted the top 
pickleball players, male and female, and they created these teams. And I was lucky to be drafted by the Oklahoma City Punishers. That's my team. So there's uh, 16 of us, eight males, eight females. And uh, we play, I think, six different uh, uh, matches around the country and different chicken and pickles. So chicken and pickle is the official uh, host of, of this league. And uh, I'm going to Oklahoma City next week to be part of a pro-am. So my team organized a pro-am event and a clinic that we're teaching to residents of Oklahoma City who want to, you know, get to know us and play with us. So I'm going there for a couple of days. I have a team practice the day after the pro-am and the clinic. And then we drive to Dallas where the first round of matches for the National Pickleball League is. So we play in Dallas on Saturday and Sunday. All the teams play each other. It's this big, uh, big event. So I'll be going to that. And then after I come back from that, I'll probably spend a, a, a day at home and then off again, probably to San Clemente, California to play uh, the PPA. Uh, and then there's a senior pro tour that's starting. So yeah, it's just a, a really busy schedule of playing, but uh, I love it. So yeah, fun. that sounds super exciting. And congratulations on becoming a punisher. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's That's a really huge. nice league, you know. I uh, I I didn't know what to expect of it as is the inaugural year, but they held a draft party in Naples uh, the day before the U.S. Open uh, started the the pickleball U.S. Open in Naples. So a lot of the players were already there to play the U.S. Open. So they had a big draft party, and you sit there. It's just like you see on TV, you know. They they either call your name or they don't. And you're sitting there, you know, anxiously waiting, like, am I going to get drafted? And a lot of people don't, you know, so it's it's a little nerve wracking, like waiting to see if you're going to get picked, where you're going to get picked, who your new teammates are. Yeah. And uh, luckily, I, I got picked and I'm looking forward to being a punisher. Awesome. That reminds me of being back on the playground in uh, elementary school when you're picking teams and you're sitting there <laughs> hoping that someone picks you. <laughs> Well, that's excellent for you. Uh, for our listeners who would be interested in following along with you and your mm -hmm. journey, where can they find you on Instagram? The best place is Instagram and Alex Simon PB as in pickleball. So Alex, A-L-E-X, S-I-M-O-N, PB is uh, my username. You can go there. And from there, you can find my Facebook and whatnot. But I'm mostly Instagram. And I'd love, you know, if people want to ask questions, like send me a, a, a DM and I'll be happy to answer any questions. I'm, I'm all about, you know, spreading the, the pickleball gospel and uh, help as many people as possible get better, you know, if I can with whatever little I know about the sport at this point. But it's been, it's been a fun journey. You know, I, I've always uh, wanted to be a professional athlete. And my, my days, I thought, had passed when I was, you know, I was a pretty good tennis player, but I never made it to the tour. And I was at lunch with my wife today. And she goes, can you believe you're finally a professional athlete? at 50 years old, a grandpa already. And uh, here I am entertaining sponsors, being drafted to play in leagues and being paid when I, when I make it to the final. It's like, yeah, you know, better late than never. <laughs> but Congratulations. That's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That is a great story. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on. And we're definitely going to be following you with uh, the Punishers as well as your PPA events and all the other tournaments. Uh, we can't wait to see how you're doing. I'm sure you're going to be extremely successful. So good luck to you. And thank you for coming on the show with us. Hey, yeah, thank thanks you for so having much, me. Alex. It's been a pleasure. And, you know, if you ever want to have me back, I'll be happy to. 
Oh, we'd love to have Absolutely, you back. Absolutely, yeah. Maybe when we're, uh, obviously, Bridgie's in Vegas. When I'm down there, maybe if you're in town still, we can get together and uh, go play a little or have a bite to eat. I'd be honored. Let's that, do it. That'd be great. Um, and for all of you listening, thank you for joining us at Third Shot, where Bridgie and I will continue to share our pickleball journey. And it was great having Alex join us today. Uh, if you didn't remember, check them out on Instagram at Alex Simon PB, as in pickleball. And, uh, you know, he's going to be posting his journey there. Support this show by subscribing, and we promise to have more amazing guests like Alex in future episodes. So let's just continue sharing our enjoyment for the game and grow the pickleball community, whether it's Hong Kong, Oklahoma City, Vegas, or here in the Bay Area. Let's just grow this community. See you next time on Third Shot Podcast.